0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pals Podcast. This week, we had our first NHLer on, Eric Goodbranson, uh, and it was an honest, a fantastic conversation. Rick, you want to tell them uh, what we got into?
1: Yeah, we talked about COVID-19, what he's doing to stay active, staying mentally and physically uh, in shape. We talked about his career, you know, being drafted third overall in 2010, playing in Vancouver with some of his role models, his time in Vancouver... Uh, Pittsburgh and and playing there and now his time in Anaheim. So it was a great conversation. We touched upon a lot of the highs and and definitely some of the lows in his career. So we're looking forward to seeing uh, more of him on the ice. Once the NHL gets back on the road, we are doing a amazing contest. Eric's um, gratefully decided to donate a personalized signed Jersey to the pals podcast winner. So we're going to be running a contest on our Instagram, check it out at the pals podcast and look at the most recent post and you'll see more for contest details.
0: Quick shout out to our amazing sponsors, Ilberry & Goose, truly unique, entirely Canadian. Guys, uh, I recommend, you know, Summer's around the corner, they got some fantastic stuff, like tank tops, they got hats, they got, you know, great household products, stuff you can rock around uh, with this nice weather coming. You can check them out at www.ilberryandgoose.com or at and goose on Instagram. All right, pal, LFG. Let's go. We've been making it work.
1: Well, yeah, Eric, welcome. Uh, Thanks for coming on to the Pals Podcast, man. appreciate you taking the time out of your day.
0: Oh,
2: thank you very much for having me. uh, Turns out these days we have quite a bit of it, so it's good to (laughs) have some conversations.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Well, what have you been up to during this whole uh, COVID-19 delay of life, basically? Uh,
2: uh, Well, originally, the the whole thing started when we were in California, so we... uh, we stayed there for a little bit, hopeful that we were going to be able to figure out a way to continue playing. But, uh, you know, it started getting a little bit hairier out there, and we decided to to come back. We got a little lake house north of Toronto. So, um, came up here, opened up the cottage, and uh, pretty much just been hanging out here. There's there's a number of little things that that uh, needed to get done that I otherwise wouldn't have got to. So, just little projects here and there around uh, around my place.
1: Oh, gotcha. My, well there's definitely worse places to be stuck than the cottage right
2: yeah yeah i uh're we're, we're extremely fortunate actually We've, pretty much every day we wake up have a coffee and uh you know that that's the crazy part is it's so difficult not to think about everybody else that's dealing with it in, in so many different situations so um you know when we wake up here we're we're obviously uh very very fortunate and blessed
1: yeah
0: even for you though like have you this i don't know if there's ever been another time like this for you since you know you st- growing up playing hockey to the nhl like you guys get summer holidays a bit but i guess even through summer like are you practicing in the off season are you getting right back into it is this the longest break you've really ever had in in recent memory yeah
2: pretty much the the crazy thing is that since i was 16 years old like i took off at 16 to go play junior in kingston um and uh since then uh we had i had this conversation with my wife sarah not too long ago i was like this is so weird like we've been here for like six weeks now like that might be the longest i've been in one place for the last like you know 10 12 years
1: yeah, and like, off it's the ice weird, right? Right? i'm not, not
2: traveling or doing anything and it's been kind of nice to like actually settle down and enjoy one place so that's been that's been kind of fun
1: well it's and- gotta be a little difficult sorry george it's gotta be a little difficult ice- because ice- you're you don't know when you're going back right it's like they could say it's in 2 weeks it's in four, might not be for the next month right you're basically in this limbo
2: yeah yeah um, and that's that's everybody included and i think at least from my end from my end i've been actually going kind of crazy cuz i was out for 5 weeks with an injury before this happened and they canceled or postponed our season on the thursday and i got cleared to play on the thursday <laughs> so like I've, I've been i've been out for a while now so I've been kind of, I've definitely been jonesing to play, but um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's so strange that everybody's just stuck at home. I'm sure you guys feel exactly the same way. It's Just like you know, not necessarily what am I going to do today, but it's just a completely different way of life that everybody has to compartmentalize and and deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think there's ever been a time that like. Everything is stopped, right? I mean, there's been in sports, there's been lockouts or strikes. It historically, but never every league at the same time. And sports in general for everybody. I mean, it's such a big part of life. I think for most people, you're so used to seeing it on TV, you can leave it on, whatever. But every league is like a stop, which is insane. I mean, I don't think. I uh, hopefully, know. we never I know. like this again.
2: It's crazy, and and you know that's that's something that I think. It doesn't get said too often about hockey players and any professional athlete in general like we it, at least all my buddies that i know and people that i've met like feel that responsibility every time that you lace up and you go play that like people are spending money their hard-earned dollars to come see you do what you do and that's what's that's a super super cool part if not the coolest part about it is that you you have that responsibility and at least from the conversations I've had with guys, like we're desperately trying to, you know, do everything within our means to to get back on the ice and kind of take that step towards normalcy, at least give you guys some entertainment at home because, like, me sitting here doing nothing isn't doing anything for anybody.
1: (laughs) I wanted to ask, what do you think is going to be the hardest part about getting back into it? Like, we were mentioning this the other day that for a sport like hockey where it's a physical sport, right, there's a lot of contact, especially someone like yourself too, you haven't really you know, had any physical contact with many people. It's like not like you're you're still practicing, you're on the ice, you're taking hits, you're I, – I doubt you're dropping the gloves with your wife up at the cottage, right? Like,
2: <laughs> she would beat the wheels off me.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, what do you think is going to be the hardest part about getting
2: oh, back into I it? I don't know, but I, – I, okay, I'll, I'll tell you something that always hits me at the start, like the first time I go on the ice after taking a few months off, like at the end of the season, like my first skate in the summer, getting back into it. I always for like the first two practices, I find that the corners come really quickly. <laughs> like it's almost like the rings got smaller over, over the months that I was off. And that like freaks me out. Like you go into a corner so fast, you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> <It> came <laughs> out <of> nowhere. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously it's just little things. Your timing is probably the thing that's going to take the longest. Like I, I think I've been doing a pretty good job of staying in shape and so are other guys, you know, hopefully return, but, uh, just your timing and those, you know, little details is what's going to take a little bit of time. But I'm sure they'll plan something in the the way that we can get back into it over a period of time before we go.
0: Yeah. Have you been doing anything, like, hockey-related to stay active? I mean, are you, like, shooting on the garage up there? Or are you just guys yeah. kind of strictly, like, push-ups and
2: work? Yeah, I got a net delivered the other day and a few pucks. And I've, I've been going out <laughs> to the street. I had to sweep the road because it's full of dust and garbage from from the winter. So, I've been yeah, shooting yeah. some pucks every day, which is fun.
0: That's nice. all right. right. You're feeling? You think you get jump back on the ice uh, if they give you the call and say everything's back to normal in a couple weeks? Or? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. You've been itching your <laughs> <wrong.
1: laughs> So what's what's one thing that, uh, besides hockey, that you've been missing the most during this?
2: I, I think similarly to everybody is that human connection. Just like, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate that, I love my wife dearly, and it's been a great time, actually, us spending time together.
0: Is she, is she <laughs> um, also not to say that right now? Yeah,
2: she's doing a workout right now, and she's giggling listening <laughs> to what I have to say. So, I know you can't see it, but I kind of got a muzzle on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing, uh, wrong with that.
2: nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, we. Um, it's just that human connection. Like, I want to see my buddies. I want to, you know, do that stuff. Like, it's similar to you guys, I'm sure. Like stuck at home it's it's it'll just be fun to you know hang out with people
0: yeah yeah sure one thing I wanted to ask you even jumping back like I made that that comment about how it's like similar to like almost a lockout like mid-season it kind of stopped you you experienced the lockout before back in 2000 was it 2012 13 yeah is this a similar feeling or was it back then like is one of them have more uncertainty around it are they kind of the same uh I think
2: I mean this one's this one's tough but you're you're right they were similar in certain ways there was definitely uncertainty in the last one I mean I remember sitting there like I think it was like the 23rd 24th of Christmas and we didn't have any we weren't anywhere near uh a CBA agreement and it was like how are we going to finish the season or get anything in um at this point and and we managed to and it was a good year we we did the best we could with it but that, that was, that was unfortunate. Those lockouts suck. Uh, but like similarly to this one, like everybody's ready to go. Everybody was like this time of year, especially if you're looking at the top teams, this is some of the best hockey you're going to watch in the regular season. Teams were flying like momentum swings all over the place. Uh, everybody's separated by a point or two. And, and it was, it, it was turning out to be quite the exciting season for, for viewers. And, um, yeah, it just came to a abrupt halt and that really sucks. <laughs>
0: Do you do you think okay? So let's say hypothetically, let's say they say in like two weeks they find a solution, they come back, and they whether it's a tournament or they carry out the season. What if somebody comes out of nowhere to win the Stanley Cup that wasn't the favorite? Do you think there's an, like an asterisk beside it, or because everyone's in the same boat, it's legit? What, like, what's your take on that?
2: I I think uh, well, number one, they're going to have to figure out a structure in which is fair to begin with for the teams that are entering the Stanley cup playoffs to begin with. And that's, that's going to be a difficult task in and of itself. Um, But at the end of the day, you could, I'm sure some people, the conversation will certainly be there. Like should there be an asterisk beside it? Yes or no. But at the end of the day, like maybe even especially with what's going on now, like I, I, truly believe the Stanley cup is the hardest trophy on the planet to win. And, and we're not going to do we're not going to award the stanley cup without having a full playoff and to go through a full playoff in the battle that that is that's that's a whole different can of worms in and of itself and and if you can get through that to to raise the cup like i i i tip my cap
0: to you yeah, yeah.
1: I, I wanted to rewind a bit and we we had the nfl draft last week i believe and that was kind of Besides the Jordan documentary, that's basically the mo- the closest thing we've got to sports in the last, you know, six to eight weeks. So I, w- I want to take you back to your draft day. What was it like hearing your name being called? You know, you've worked, I guess, 17 years of your life, 18 years of your life, hard work, dedication, early mornings, cold rinks, away from your family. What's it like to hear your name called, you know, third overall and, and a great draft class like that? Uh,
2: it was it was special. Um I don't know if you guys ever seen the video.
1: Yeah, well, I, I've been. We were a little googling it a little <laughs> so, while ago.
2: Actually, funny because my dad had like one of the best, the best draft day moments I think ever. He stood up and started celebrating like we won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> so I kind of I heard my name called, and he I didn't see it coming. And he was sitting right beside me, and I kind of got startled by him. So <laughs> which was which is pretty funny, but it was uh, so that particular day I had had obviously we did the combine and then then I showed up about a week early to the draft and and had a number of interviews with different teams and whatnot and a you know pretty substantial schedule over that week and um the day before I had like an hour and 20 minutes sit down with the Panthers and uh bring you to the Friday uh we were going to the draft and it was me my agent my family my couple buddies that were there um and my agent came up to me says hey I know where you're going like do you do you want me to tell you now or do you want to find out when you get there? And I was like, I want to find out when I get there. But like, I pretty much knew in the back of my mind, like, this is where I was going. Like that went too well yesterday not to go to Florida. So when I heard it, it was, I kind of had an idea, but it was still like crazy.
0: That's got to be awesome. Do they, you know, you hear those draft stories uh, and like stuff with the combine in a lot of sports where they ask guys bizarre questions like, Stuff that's completely off the map, I guess they say to see if it either phases you or how you respond to it. Is there anything that you experienced? Like, did they ask you anything kind of ridiculous to see how you would react? Or was it pretty much standard questions, like hockey related?
2: No, I was, most of them were, but I had one question that was a little bit strange. It was, uh, I guess the Penguins were trying something out that year and they brought an army guy in and uh i walked in and like obviously you walk into these hotel rooms and there's just like there's like 15 guys sitting around like on beds and all that kind of stuff you kind of they just tell you to sit somewhere and they grill you which is it's 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 a weird day but it's it's a lot of fun um but i walked into the pittsburgh one and obviously like pittsburgh's a pretty big deal so i was pretty nervous for that one um and uh this guy, I walk in, he's like, OK, hey, if you were in the army, would you want to be a medic, a helicopter pilot or a sniper? And why? <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, I, I almost asked for like a minute, but I thought about it for a few seconds. I was like, I, I'd be a sniper. He's like, why? I'm like, because I feel like that's the best way to control your own destiny. Like you can pretty much like, I don't know, it, it turned out to be a good answer, but it was kind of like a panic answer, too. It worked out well for me. But, uh, and then and then the, the interview was over. They were like, okay, thank you. See you later. That's it. That's it.
0: That's that's it. Like that. like, the answer is like, all right, see you, pal.
2: Yeah. And you get out of this hotel room and you're like, what just happened? I have no clue.
1: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> so Sorry, I wanted to God. ask have you always been like, obviously, now you're a solid six foot five, you know, 220, 230 maybe. Have you always been a big presence on the ice, like even growing up?
2: Yeah, yeah, we uh, <laughs> like a lot. I don't, I don't know if a lot of kids. I mean, certainly not anymore. Most kids are looking at Connor McDavid and stuff growing up, and I watched Scott Stevens and Chris Pronger <laughs> and Ed Jovanovski. Those guys are like the kinks to me. So in Adam, when when hitting came in, I was like, I forgot there was a puck on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like I was like, what, 10, 12, 10, 11 years old. I'm like, I can go through that guy. Like I'm just taking heads off for the next 10 years of my life. You how know, that works. Um, so in that sense, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not very good if I'm not, if I play nice. So.
0: Yeah. I, I'll never forget. I, I wasn't a, I, I was an hockey player growing up. I played some other sports, but I'll never forget like the Rock of Sockums when Scott Stevens and there was like a just a section on Scott Stevens, and he would absolutely demolish dudes. I like, know. Yeah, the Paul Korea the-
1: one. Oh. He would kill people. Man. Oh, <laughs> like, in today's hockey, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be playing.
2: Oh, no chance, no chance. And he's had he's had some like serious issues because of that hit, big time. Like he went he went dark for like ten years, and like didn't resurface. And yeah, that
1: yeah, he, was. Based Paul is he's like off the map. I think he like lives in like Northern Cali, just surf. Yeah, yeah, he's
2: not he? uh, That's that is this, the freaky thing is like some guys have been hit hard, and that that head stuff is definitely no joke. And I remember that hit, and at the time you're like, oh my god, like this guy's coming back to play, like he has no Did business
1: score the game winner or something. Like he went off the ice, came back next period, scored the game winner. I think
2: if you guys want to, I think there's a video on YouTube about it where he does. He kind of does like a little documentary on it, and he uh, he pretty much says like I don't remember scoring that goal, like I don't remember anything that happened. Nothing.
0: I'm sure, he had like the most severe concussion you could probably get in the moment, like.
2: And he absolutely picked Marty right to <laughs> corner too. That's
0: <laughs>
1: crazy. How much it's so, changed?
0: Like, yeah, sorry. you
1: mentioned that um, Ed Ed Jovanowski was one of your role models growing up. I think you played with him on on Florida, right? Like, yeah. what's it like to play with like me growing up? Felix Pop was my idol. Like, yeah. I wasn't good enough to ever make it, but if I if I was with Felix Popman, I'd be like man this is awesome what was it like for you because you guys were deep partners right
2: yeah yeah he was my first deep partner it was it was it was cool man like I I sat beside him in the room and he was like I guess I was 19 at at, at that time and he was kind of like my dad on the team to be honest with you <laughs> like I didn't know anything which yeah. it's so funny but um, yeah he was he was so good to me and it was it was I mean Back then, I didn't say a word. Like I, I don't think I talked my first two years in the NHL. Like you speak when spoken to. When I started, <laughs> and that's that's it. So I didn't really have much to say. But he's he's an absolute legend. I got I ended up getting really tight with his family and his wife at the time, his four kids, and uh, you know, lovely family. And, and uh, he was awesome for me. Is,
0: is it not like that in the in the show when you get there? Like, do a lot of guys come up to you for the most part and try like kind of it's still their advice and their experiences on you. Is there still that kind of like razzing the, the rookies and all that and giving them a hard time or for the most oh, part, yeah. it's not really there.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely a little bit softer now, I would say. Um, but uh, obviously I think, I think it's just like anything. Like if, if you're the new guy and other guys have been there, like what, what am I going to say? I've played five NHL games. Eddie's Eddie's got, <laughs> A thousand games, he's got his silver stick hanging up in his bar already, like, what am I going to say to that guy? And, like, if you don't know that coming in, you're probably going to run into some trouble,
0: let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a moment that, that sticks out to you in your rookie season that, like, was kind of a wake-up call, like, okay, I'm here now, like, now it's the it's the big leagues? Whether it was, like, some one of the older guys teaching you something or showing you up on the ice, anything that stands out?
2: Uh, yeah. It happened quick, too, actually. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it was, like, my second or third game. I So I had this thing. I was, like, I came in, and I was, like, hey, the, in the back of my mind, I'm, like, the first person that touches Eddie or says something wrong to Eddie or does something that I don't like. Like, I'm fighting that guy. I don't care who it is. I'm, like, I'm just going to let him know that I've, got, that I've got his back. And, like, I was just, like, that crazy kid. <laughs> so I was I was lucky. It turned out to be Steve Downey. On we were playing on a Friday night in in Florida, and it was my first fight, and like it, it went pretty well for me. Um, but he was quite a bit shorter. I, I had the length, the reach advantage. But we were playing a home and home with um, with Tampa. So on Saturday night we played in Tampa. I stepped over from my first ship and I'm skating by the bench, and I just feel this massive hand on the back of my on my jersey, and I and all I hear is Hey, kid, let's go. I'm like oh my god who is this and it was ryan malone and this guy's like he was like 245 pounds at the time like beard out to here and i was like yeah, excuse my french but like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my god that this is not this is not a junior kid anymore like this is a full-grown man that's way bigger than me and i was like like i'm 220 now i was probably like 200 pounds when i first started i was a string bean
0: <laughs> holy yeah see that that kind of stuff would i'd be like I uh, that would yeah, that would mess me up. I'd be shooting my pants. Part of my life would be shitting my pants. If I saw a guy that grabbed me, I'd be like, oh, it's over now, there goes my career.
1: <laughs> oh, it didn't go well, trust me. <laughs> it didn't go well. That's so funny. What's your most memorable fight? Oh the fight you, when you're when you're done playing hockey, you're gonna look back and say, like, that one either got me, he got me, or you know what, I just I pumped this guy.
2: I've had uh uh I've had a few. <laughs> he's trying. He's like, ah. Sarah's laughing over there because she knows what story I should tell. <laughs> Let's yeah. hear it.
1: <clears throat> uh,
2: do you guys remember when I fought Matt Martin?
1: Yeah, after the hit on uh, what's his name, the rookie.
2: Yeah, so yeah, so there was this. Oh uh, man, sorry. Was- I
1: think I was actually at that game.
0: I'm trying to remember because I remember like hearing about this. I can't remember for the life, but I think I was there because I remember seeing a in Vancouver or in Toronto in toronto when you guys when you played was it in toronto different
2: yeah so it started it started in toronto um and and it it went sideways from there it it was part it mostly my fault in fairness but um yeah so anyways we had this like we were getting smoked 6-1 in toronto and it was it was an ugly game at the time and uh, Nazim Kadri absolutely blew up Danny Sadin, like blew him up, and like Danny did that. I don't know if you remember that hit, but like,
0: <laughs> and I remember I was yeah. I think that uh, was,
1: I don't remember that one, that one but yeah.
2: yeah, and it was it was that was actually one of the scariest things I've ever seen in hockey. His he got so lucky because his helmet popped right off, and he helicoptered, and like his helmet, his head whipped around and hit the ice. And it just so happened, he got so lucky that, like, through the, the whole commotion, his glove hit the ice first, and his head bounced off his glove, so he never touched the ice. But he would have been in, like, big-time trouble so if his head hit the ice. <laughs> so, we didn't like that too much, and everything started going sideways, and I was stuck on the bench for the entirety of it. Um, and, and my coach at the time, we ended up having a little conversation about that great man, Willie Desjardins. But... Uh, like everybody squared off. Derek Dorr said, Leo Komarov, Burroughs fought, I don't know. And they all everybody's getting kicked out at this point. There's six minutes left. And at the five-minute mark, if you take an instigator, you're spent for the following game. So instead of like putting me out there, like I don't need more than a minute to get something <laughs> <up and> done. <laughs> it's gonna happen quick. So, but my coach kept me on the bench and another guy. We had a six foot eight, two hundred and seventy-pound Russian on the bench at that point, too. And like kept both of us on the ice knowing that like Matt Martin's coming on the ice. So I'm yelling at my coach. I'm like, hey, you got to put me on. You got to put me on. You got to put me on. He's like, no, sit down. You're not getting suspended. So I was all fired up at this point. And he doesn't throw me out. And sure enough, we get, they have last change being it in uh, Toronto. And Maddie comes over the bench. And I've spoken to Maddie numerous times about this. It's funny because he's, he's actually a super nice guy. Um <laughs> But, but at the time he comes over the he comes over the bench and grabs the smallest guy on our team who happens to be a rookie. And out of nowhere, if Ryan Miller wasn't there, Ryan Miller, like <laughs> the guy would have got killed. Maddie like dropped his chased him down and like beat him up. Um so, anyways, when you come off the ice in Toronto, you're in the same hallway as the Leafs. They're obviously down there where where we are, and there's big curtains um uh splitting us up, and I was I was like I lost my marbles at that point, And I was like, I yelled in between, uh, or at the leaves bench or sorry, dressing room. And I was like, Maddie, I'm going to kill you. When I see you, I'm going to kill you. And some guy from the Canucks tweeted it that I said that I was going to kill him. And like people literally like took it seriously. They thought I was going to like, find a way to like put a hit out on him and go actually murder him. Oh, wow. So for like a full month, for like a full month we were playing them that was in november and we were playing them like december 22nd or something that before christmas and um yeah the whole month like i had a media scrum in front of me every day talking about what i said and like what my plans for matt martin were and i was like like are you serious people like you're still talking about this yeah it, like really but regardless like i had to do something now because it's this is canada right like you can't not back up if you're if you're gonna talk like you gotta back it up so so that night that night I knew everybody knew it was gonna happen actually that morning I went to a coffee shop the morning of that game in Vancouver I went to a coffee shop had a coffee sat down grabbed a newspaper and like one of the articles was like a picture of me and Matt Martin I think the the tag on it said blood will be shed at Rogers (laughs) Arena tonight (laughs) I was like oh right on like (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's gonna be an interesting night but it turned out to would be you, a good fight
0: would you say that was the fight you were most nervous for like that was the most hyped up anticipated fight of your I career think, for sure uh,
2: yeah probably well because usually I don't think about
1: it right like usually it just yeah. happens this and one that, was like pre-planned oh, oh yeah this <laughs> one was like a month, a month in the waiting they had time to yeah. promote it offline
2: oh yeah I had I got a call I got a call from George Peros the day before and he I played with him so we're uh, buddies with him and he's like goody like don't do anything stupid he's like you just just have a good goal with them and don't do anything stupid like I've got guys sitting in the stands watching you tonight <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was okay. it was it was absurd well that's awesome going back to what you said too playing with uh with the deeds too and honestly being in Vancouver like what's that like are they I've never seen a game in Vancouver, but obviously they've been there the whole career. Is it like, is it pretty big deal playing with those guys out there where they like revered even to to still to this day?
2: Yeah, they're, they're a different level of, of human being like they're, I mean, there's so many good things you can say about them, but I think beyond anything that they've done on the ice, like they're just sweet people. They're very, very nice, genuine human beings that, that care for everybody they come in contact with. And, I mean, it, what they did on the ice is is one thing, but just being around them, being able to talk to them, how nice they are, their families are are great, what they do in the community there. Like, they were – that's the standard that that should be set in the NHL is those guys.
1: Yeah. Who's your – because you've obviously played with them. you played with, I guess, Luongo. You've got the Malkin, Crosby. You've got Getzlaff, Perry now. Like, who's – I guess some of the teammates you've played with that really stand out. You know, they're just – all around good guys, good role models. Like they eat, sleep, breathe hockey.
2: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of them there. There really is. Um, I mean, Hank and Danny for sure are up there. Um, Louie was great. I was really tight with Louie cause I, I was at the time, one of the only guys that tried to block shots on that <laughs> team. So he loved me. <laughs> uh, but uh, him said, Sid was special to watch like Sid's actually a special individual like he like you can try and outwork him you you really can and you can put a good foot forward but like good luck it's it's just not possible it's he's just he's just on a complete other level um and and like an absolute awesome guy like awesome guy like he's, he's he, he lives in a small, a small spot um, just outside of Pittsburgh called Swickley. And, and he loves that town because he's like the kind of guy who, lo- who likes to know the guy's name who's serving him a coffee in the morning.
1: yeah Like yeah. you
2: can't take the coal harbor out of him. He's so down to earth. Uh, Gino was funny too. <laughs> Gino was really funny. He didn't talk to me the whole time I was there. And then when I saw him in Anaheim recently, I had like a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> which is interesting but uh, yeah there's so many of them the other one the other one that was an absolute absolute horse arguably my still my favorite hockey player in the NHL is uh Sasha Barkov this kid's yeah, yeah. oh yeah man this this guy's like he's he's wild the stuff that this kid can do is just absurd just absurd and he's like he's like six foot two six foot three like two hundred thirty five pounds like just thick like just so <laughs>
1: he's captain, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: No,
2: yeah. He's a special player and he's got that, he's got that, like that next level of compete that, you know, those intangibles, like he would have games where, I mean, he, he could get five points in a game, no problem. But then there was games where like, he knew that his job for the night was to shut down Sid. And like, he wasn't trying to score. He's like, I'm just not going to let Sid score. That's my job tonight. And, and he did it so well. He took, he wore so many caps on that team that, um, you know, he's, he's He's one of the best in the league, hands down.
1: Well, I was say, do
0: you think that from what – you I mean, you've been in the league now almost a decade. Do you think it's it's changed a lot in that decade? And like by that, I mean when you go back, the guys that you said you looked up to, this you know, Scott Stevens and all those guys. Back then, it was very different, right? I guess maybe the fitness wasn't as big of a component now or, you know, the, the training or what, what have you. Even in your time being in, in the show now, do you find that it's changed a lot? Or even when you came in, it was – slowly that adapting to, you know, more of the fitness aspect and being in tune with your, your game and all that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely has changed uh, since that time. Um, the, the skill level so much better now, like the hockey, the players that are coming into the league now, like they do stuff that, like you guys see it that you'd never, you would never, ever see. Like just stuff that guys do on the outdoor rink. Guys are doing this at top speed, um and, and it's their go-to move now so uh the skill level is is off the charts in the nhl um and just the physicality is it's kind of diminished a little bit like if if you know as a defenseman when i first started if there was a puck that was dumped in like you knew you were getting hit and you knew somebody was coming in and like didn't care where the puck was they were looking straight at you and they were coming to run you but now everybody's coming in, and the first thing you're taught is to go stick on puck and try and poke the puck away and make it a tougher play for for the D-man trying to, to make his play. So it's it's a completely different game, one that's uh, to a certain extent safer, uh, but it's it's a lot faster, definitely.
1: Well, they, they changed that new um, interference rule, what, three or four years ago now? Yeah. So that, like, basically took out – a good form of contact, especially when you're dumping the puck in, right? You can't, you can't
2: touch anybody. You can't get in the way. Like, I mean, I have figured out a way to do it where <laughs> you have to be able to skate. That's the truth. You have to be able to move. If, if you can't, if you can't move, you're going to be exposed in a lot of areas in the rink. So, you know, defending now as a D man is not just like turning backwards and keeping him to the outside. I mean, obviously it does happen, but I, I, I personally prefer to skate and defend skating forwards and most people do you want to kind of match speeds and take away ice and essentially just get in the way of guys without taking a penalty and that's kind of how you defend and that that wasn't really a thing when i first started
1: yeah who's the uh, hardest guy to defend
2: oh i used to have believe it or not i used to had have absolute and still to this day um zach parise drives me crazy yeah. Like crazy, man. Him, um, him, Jonathan Tews is another one that's like just impossible. Like you think you have him beat out of the corner. Or you think you have a second to make a play. And then out of nowhere, they just like pick your pocket from behind you. And it's that's like the worst feeling ever. <laughs> the worst. They just never like Parise never let you go. Like never. He was always anytime the puck was there, he was on top of you until until you made a play. You get your pocket
1: picked, and then you got Lou yelling at you.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, he's good. Sid, Sid obviously is. I mean, he exposed me. He's, he has exposed me in the past a number of times. He's that good. Um, Connor's, Connor's very, very, very difficult to play against. Same with Leon. Leon's so big, so strong on his skates. He uses his body and his edges so well that even if you make contact with him, you're kind of doing him a favor. So. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are
1: I feel extreme. like uh, Connor Leon are like the the new Crosby and Malkin right like those two superstars like when you get them on the power play together or something it's like what do you do
2: yeah it's pretty much pretty much I mean the idea the idea with them is to just I mean they're they're both so good on their backhands but if I'm if I'm playing them I'm trying to at least make them to make as many plays as I can on their backhand, than on their forehand. If I can force that, then I, I think I'm trying to do it all right. And and just never win that game within the game. Don't let them get in in the middle. Make them do their work in the corners and just be, be a prick when they skate by you.
0: <laughs> I'm asking this someone I again. Hockey's not my my go to for this. So I don't know all the ins and outs, but. Is a lot of the game nowadays, like studying the film, learning the mental aspect as much as it is about the actual training and nice stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There, there is quite a bit of it. I mean, the NHL is a copycat league. I'm sure. I, I mean, every league really is. I mean, most, most teams are doing very, very similar stuff. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, winning the game within the game. And that can be a number of things like the the blue areas of the rink, like the both blue lines um, and, and the, the crease, if if you can win the battle of the blue, you're doing yourself a big time favor, Um, not turning pucks over, getting pucks in deep, all that simple stuff. I mean, that's very, that's very basic. It is a simple game. And and if you can be better and more consistent, it's simple. You're pretty much going to be a better team for that. Uh, on that any on any given night Um, and then there's also the game I don't think this certainly hasn't left the game but like that mental aspect of you know that one-on-one competition like like I've always been one to tune into you know I'll see Adam Henrique. he's getting into a battle like he's matched up with Leon tonight and and you know I'm watching that battle it's a heated battle guys are going back and forth they're lining up at every face off together like that battle if if, I, if Rico's winning that battle on any given night, like, let's let's go get that game for him. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a tough job tonight, and and that head-to-head is is a big-time portion of it that's still there.
0: So a lot of the new school stuff coming in, like you said, copycat league, all leagues now really are starting to focus more on, like, statistics, I guess, sabermetrics and all that. But still, when then you're on the ice, it goes back to the simple things of, like, focusing on the traditional tactics, techniques, and, and really just kind of grinding it out, too, while well, keeping that in the back of your mind
2: yeah exactly right exactly right it's it's pretty simple i mean you don't want you want to i mean at least from my end like i don't want guys taking shots from the slot if they're shooting from boards all night long i i trust trust that he's gonna make he's gonna make that save that's his job so um you know if you can make it tough and just minimize opportunities from my end then then it's really that simple
1: when talking about the mental game do you i've always kind of wanted to know this the fans in the stands does it really make a difference like you're gonna we we can use this a great example like you talk about a place like florida that has i don't know maybe ten thousand fans a a game versus a place like pittsburgh that sells out consistently even vancouver sells out consistently does it make a difference in the player's mind like for me as a fan i'm like i'm there i'm cheering as loud as i can like they can hear me reality i know you probably can't but does it make a difference
2: yeah there's some crazy places for sure um I think I think in Florida like we I mean we, that was our home rink, so we compartmentalized it. I love the fans in Florida. The ones that we had there were actually shockingly enough like very very studious fans and very very intellectual fans. I mean there's no there's no like sports section talking about the Panthers down in Florida. Like people who knew what was going on, were going to games and like watching consistently. So we had a fantastic fan base down there and they got shockingly loud. Like they were really good at getting loud and the playoffs and we had the playoffs there a few years. They were, they were awesome, but you could definitely tell the difference. Um, but you go to a place like Boston, for example, and like, they're it's just, they're <laughs> ruthless, man. <laughs> like they're ruthless. And you can see like, you know, if they get back to back goals in a minute, like they're, they're buzzing and you can feel that and you got to try to, take them out of it and do something to take them out of it because there there is momentum swings and, and the crowds do have a huge portion of that
1: i was just gonna say what's your favorite place to play that wasn't a home arena
2: uh, so montreal montreal yeah yeah i was a habs fan growing up i love that place man. have you ever seen a game there
1: yeah i was there back in november i saw philly versus uh, montreal nice yeah. nice it's a great building yeah, it's very steep, though. It's like you feel like you're almost sitting on top of the next person in front of you.
2: Yeah, which is which is actually, they don't build rinks like that anymore. So every other rink, like you can see them. You can see that there's a whole bunch of people there. But it's kind of from our perspective, it's almost like they're at a distance. But Montreal is so cool because just like you said, like you're right on top of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen one there, but being in Toronto, I mean, growing up a Toronto fan, and one of my good friends is a Montreal fan, I hear, like, when we go to game series, he tells me about the difference in, you know, watching in Montreal, is like watching real hockey, and then here's more, like, the corporate scene, as they say. And, uh... Yeah. But I think it's changed. I mean, the last couple of years, it feels like the Toronto crowd and the atmosphere has gotten a lot more into the games and stuff, but you can definitely see the difference, even watching on TV and stuff. It's definitely noticeable. Toronto's
2: a lot more fun now that they have those kids like that. That building, it was kind of... When I first started it wasn't it certainly wasn't like the most fun building to play in cuz you can go to Philly and that's a whole bunch of blue collar people that just came off the port and all that kind of stuff and they're coming to the games like they're letting you know that they don't like you <laughs> <laughs> they are letting you know um and that like I love that I love that building and Toronto was kind of a little bit sleepy but now they're they're a lot better it's a fun building to play in
0: yeah Watching like those kind of towns, like the Philly, the Boston, uh, even like New York too. When you go to those t- those cities that have had sports for such a long time, it's such a different atmosphere. Like, I remember I had a friend come up from Boston once to a game, and you know they have the shows and intermissions and all that, and they're like, "What is this?" And I was like, yeah, "Well, it's entertainment." They're like, "If they did this in Boston, they would get booed off the ice." It's like yeah. you go watch a game, and you're there for the game, not all these like raffles and prizes and you know dice tosses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very old school in certain spots like that. Like they don't, uh, Boston's one of them. Philly. Well, Philly's got that gritty character going yeah. around everywhere. So he's, he is the show there. He's actually pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to him. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see
0: that for sure. If it, if they do bring this, you know, the league back, uh, and they do it with no fans, do you think that it's it's obviously going to be different, but like, Again, at Ricky's point, do the fans make that big of a difference in the game? Will the energy just feel different on the ice, or when are you on the ice, like you're in the zone? You're that's that's all that matters.
2: Yeah, it'll be weird. It'll it'll definitely be very strange. Um, I I for one have always fed off a good crowd, a crowd that's loud and vibrant and into the game. We get great crowds in in Anaheim, and they. Um, you know, when we're doing well, they're pushing us to, to keep going. Um, and and they're on top of the little plays, too, which make a big difference. So, um, you know, playing in front of nobody is going to be very interesting. But it's, it's, you know, if the cup's on the line, the guys aren't going to change a single thing. And those games are still going to be ex- just as passionate, if not more, um, in that setting. But it, the first couple games will be a little bit weird, I'm sure, for guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because even the environment in Anaheim has got to be nuts, right? There's a cup there in recent years, like, some good playoff runs. Like, again, got a couple Hall of Famers on the team, too. Like, it's – the fans there have they, – they've seen the highs. They've seen the lows, like, the the rebuilds, the championship runs, right? So, it's, you know, there's there's character in that building now.
2: Tons, tons. Um, and and they're, they're smart fans. They know what's going on. Um, and and they're you know they're a good West Coast fan base. Like they love the physicality. When games get chippy, they they our crowd goes nuts. They absolutely love that stuff, which which is great. Um, so uh, it, it's it's a really really fun building to be a part of playing. That's awesome.
1: In terms of like I guess your career as a whole, have you faced any adversity like coming up when either when you were younger, even with recent injuries during the lockout or even just COVID stuff? have you faced any times where you were just kind of like, I don't know if this is what I want to do, or I don't know if this was what I was born to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My, my time in Vancouver was actually pretty tough. I, 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 the, the biggest part of hockey as a player is, is like, and I think in general, this a lot of people can relate to this. Like just general self-confidence is, is a massive part of your happiness. Um, and, and for a number of, actually i'd say the better part of my career in vancouver like i i was i always had doubts in my mind about how my game was where you know status where my game was and and it hindered me it took away from it took away from my game and ended up uh i ended up thinking at certain points like i don't know i don't know what i'm doing here like i i don't i I certainly didn't like hockey i wasn't enjoying playing like it's a fun game it's it's fun to play hockey every night we're fortunate to do it and it, it was just like I was like beating my head up against the wall. I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find, um, you know, that happiness within my game and, and, you know, that kind of Zen zone where I could go to and and just perform and and react instead of, instead of always thinking and calculating and all that kind of stuff. And that, that really hurt. And and, um, I don't know if it it was, you know, Vancouver in and of itself, um, but large portion of it was me. I, I wasn't, I wasn't playing well, as I said, um but it was it was tough and then i got traded to pittsburgh and it was like a light went off like i got there and like the first game that i played in pittsburgh was the best game i'd played in three years so i i kind of got you know just changed that got fortunate to change my surroundings and and i was able to you know get back to where i was
1: do you think it was the change of scenery that helped you just kind of one of those things where you need either to change or was it something that you were able to I guess take a step back and say you know what i'm not i'm not doing what i know i can do i'm not playing to my potential like you know is i I, like is it more of the the aspect of where you were or is it
2: yeah i think i think there was a little bit of that um i i i don't think i prepared myself i I wasn't prepared to go into that kind of market from where i'd started um and that, that this is not pointing fingers at anybody but like that I think I think that market kind of swallowed me up a little bit, to be honest with you. I, I was it was in my head every time I, I touched the puck, anytime I, you know, was was playing games. I just wasn't I just wasn't I didn't have a clear mind going into hockey games. And it was tough because I, I I obviously know what I'm capable of and I know how I play and I know that I can do it. I mean, I got traded and at work, but I, I kind of chalked it up to this. Like sometimes everybody goes through a, a, a bad job. And and all they need is a change of scenery, and then they find themselves in a much more comfortable position. And it was just that change of scenery that needed to happen for that particular individual. And I learned a lot in Vancouver. That team was great to me. The fans were great to me. Um, I have a lot of buddies still there, but it, you know, it it just didn't work out for for both sides. And and when I got that that chance to play in Pittsburgh, it was it was uh, it was a blessing, and I was able to you know find that love for the game again.
0: You kind. Got- if there's ever since then to now, if there's ever a point where you feel like, you know, I might be getting into a small rut or this, you know, this stretch of games have been going as well. Do you like look back at that specific time and say, this is how I got out of it. Or this is what was that light at the end of the tunnel to kind of keep you focused.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the blessing that came from it. Like I, I certainly handle situations a lot better now. Like I took everything very personally. Like I, I, that's the other part about my time in Vancouver. Like I wasn't, I was not nice to myself about my game. Like I was, I mean, if you go read articles in Vancouver about me, you'll think like, it's bad. (laughs) It's bad. But uh, um, I I was like, even like in my own mind, looking at myself in the mirror, like I was even worse than that. So, um, you know, that's not, it's not a healthy place to be. It's not a healthy way to live. And, and, uh, you know, now I just take everything with a grain of salt and like, you know, what can I do about it? If I don't learn something from it, then then that's where I make the mistake but the uh, you know the original mistake itself I'm not gonna dwell on it anymore I'm just gonna come back to the rink and you know try and make up for it in another way
1: yeah and I know what you're saying because in Toronto they have that kind of I uh, when you're saying when like the the place swallows you up like Toronto's a big city for like the media crucified people right like Phil Kessel was scoring 40 goals 45 goals a year and he was somehow target number one and it's like this dude's yeah. our best player scoring almost 50 a year, and somehow the media's still tearing him apart? Like, come on. Like, I know. So I, I get what you're saying there.
2: And that's, and like, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a ton of reporters in Vancouver, and there's a ton of them that, there's a lot of them that I, I, I had a lot of respect for and, and you know, were very fair and, and stuff like that. And then there was a few guys like beat writers that were just, like, frankly they're assholes like that's that's really what they are and they just they would just pick on you and they 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 took pleasure from it and nobody really knows that because you don't get to meet these individuals but i i would see them on a daily basis and like you know the guy in the scrum that was the harshest on you was never the guy asking the questions he was the guy like sticking his record the bag, under, yeah under the guy's arm looking at the floor and then you would go and like you look at them and you're like man you've ne- you've never done a single athletic thing in your life <laughs> you know what i mean um so that you know that it, it was it was i got into a bad spin cycle there and I, I was fortunate to get out of it and and it turned out to be a, a great lesson for me like I, I feel a lot better a lot stronger mentally having experienced that um than i think i would have if i didn't yeah
0: yeah in those scrums too like i sorry uh, before <laughs> It's almost like they're trying to get that sound bite out of you, so they're kind of like poking at you a little bit to get something, and they take one thing you say and spin out this thing. I mean, that's got to be tough to, like, like you see that context of taking it to kind of elicit a reaction, or as people say they like clickbait, and you're like, that's not what I meant out of this, but then you kind of just have to, I guess, roll with the punches, as they say. yeah.
2: I've always been like I always try and formulate good opinions and like I'll take a second like if if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to I'll be like you know come and ask me that question tomorrow I'll have a better answer for you. I've always I've always been one to give a thoughtful answer. And it got to the point in Vancouver where I was like giving the prototypical dumb hockey player answers like just simple like get this out of the way like have, have fun with this content bud. like go write your article.
0: <laughs> got it he's
1: got to play boy skater hard they hit the corners and uh, that's it see you guys yeah. later
2: just simple yeah. yeah
1: have you ever uh like kind of given it to a reporter uh
2: no no i try not to i, I it's it's not a battle worth with getting into oh I, I shouldn't say that i i did handle one situation that i thought was extremely unfair it involved uh this was in vancouver i won't get into details about it but there was an article written that had some uh um some interesting points that were made about my family um yeah not not like bad but like just unrelated like just yeah just like it it was it was completely unnecessary and i i after the scrum i grabbed the guy and i i just told him like hey listen man like i don't think that was fair at all and you just do it properly like I, i i i still go back to like i would i would still going to treat people that I dislike the way that I would want to be treated. So, so like I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but I did tell him that like something I thought it was unfair and he took to it nicely and ended up making some adjustments and worked out well.
1: That's good. And then at least it worked out then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was strange, but um, yeah, it was, it was handled all right. I I don't think like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to swear on, on TV either. (laughs) Mind you, if, if ever if ever I get lucky enough to win a cup, I'll, I'll definitely be. Uh, you'll see me with it
1: over my head. Cup a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just dying for that moment. Best. Um, what's your best NHL moment? Was it first goal, first fight? You know, something off the ice. Like, what's the best moment? You know, again, been in the league for ten plus years now. Or I guess tenth year now. Yeah. What's the or eleventh now? What's the, Uh, the, the moment that stands out the most? Ooh,
2: there's a, there's a few. My first goal was really cool. I'll I'll give you that, that one. I scored, I scored my first one against Longquist at, uh, at MSG, which is, which is sweet. The king. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's crazy because like after the game I was, the cool part about it is I was like, man, I just, like, I just performed where the Rolling Stones performed and like, you know, like Ali, Ali Frazier was here. Like I scored a goal here. Like that's, that's super cool. Um, so that, that one was definitely super cool. And then my first game after I got traded from Florida, my first game back in Florida, they did like that tribute video thing that they're, that's become pretty prominent in the NHL and everybody stood up and clapped and gave me an ovation, which is like really special. Cause I absolutely love my time
1: there. That's awesome.
0: So I got one besides that, besides the hockey stuff off the ice, what is something like a hobby, a passion of yours, that something that you care about a lot that most people wouldn't know about?
2: Oh, <laughs> this, <laughs> it, this, it, it's, it's almost boring, but like golfing is my thing. Like I, golfing is just massive to me. Like I got a, I, I bought one of those nets. We have a little bit of property out on the back and I set up a net and I've been hitting like 500 balls a day. At least. at least working on it oh yeah yeah well I guess
0: we're open I'm assuming you'd be out playing right now but since everything's shut down that's got to be uh yeah yeah, uh, yeah that and and
2: even even more boring than that I like I have so much fun reading a good book which is so strange but I i I just dive into to a good book and I I can get lost in one of those for a day easily easily i I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar, but this thing's driving me nuts. I don't know if you guys play. It's so hard.
1: I tried to learn the banjo last year, and I got maybe one lesson through, and that was it. If that's impossible, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I got zero musical talent. I have no idea why I even attempted. It was just a bad idea from the start. I I'm
2: I'm circling back to that, but I, all my buddies play. Like I'm the only one who doesn't. And it just you kills. You want
1: learn how to play Wonderwall? That's it.
2: Yeah, yeah, something, something. Like we got a fire pit out back, and I own a guitar. Like I have to be able to put two and two together here at some point. It's yeah, wrong.
0: Sitting on the fire and playing is like really like in your head. Now you just gotta learn.
2: I just have to do it, but it, it's 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 been tough, man. that has been a it's been a couple of bad days. <laughs>
0: Jumping back to the thing about a good book. what is there something that stands out that you've read recently that, that resonated with you?
2: Sir <laughs> definitely laughing. I went into a rabbit hole with a, a weird one. So I, I don't know if you guys listen to any Joe Rogan podcasts. Yeah. 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 So I listened to him here and there. Um, and I listened to his recent one with a guy by the name of Tom O'Neill.
0: Yeah, chaos. Was,
2: yeah, chaos. So I got in. <laughs> I listened to that podcast. I'm like, this is this is a crazy story. Yeah, um, yeah. So I bought Chaos. I have a, I have a Kindle. I bought Chaos. I read the prologue and I was like, I can't read this if I don't read Helter Skelter, the one that the the lawyer bugliozzi wrote. So I just two days ago finished Helter Skelter. Oh, wow. And, and that's like I mean, it's such a morbid, like awful, terrible story. But that I, I don't know. I got enamored by it really quickly. And I, I got through it in like three, four days. And it's it's a crazy story
1: yeah yeah now's the time right you you've got it
2: yeah yeah so there's there's that um sarah's sarah just finished up i don't know if you guys have heard the book by thomas erickson i think his name is called surrounded by idiots
0: i just i just finished the audio or i'm almost done the audiobook. what'd you think honestly i like i i kind of got off audiobooks. I, I prefer to actually read but lately with this i've been running outside so i'm like let me. Let me listen to this. I listened to the preview. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I started listening to it. I was like, oh, I can definitely see which color I associate with more. Yeah. Uh, But uh, I like it. I mean, near the end, I'm I'm like, okay, I kind of got the gist of it now. But it's very interesting. Like, I never really thought how you could simplify, like, personalities and all that, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's what she said. She enjoyed it. So maybe I'll take up that one soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chaos is next on my list. That one, uh, I did hear that podcast. That's one I want to check out because when I heard it, I was like, this story can't be real. Like it doesn't make any I, So you'll read the if you read
2: the prologue, like you got to read Helter Skelter first.
0: Yeah. So I what's going on. first thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just started Chaos. I'm like maybe one or two chapters in, and it's it's just kind of going over what happened in Helter Skelter in a point by point way. But it's I'm interested.
0: I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it
1: out. I, I wanted to ask. Let's say. Tomorrow they make a movie about your life. Who would you want to star as you? Oh, we asked that, one of our that. guests last week, and he he was he gave a good answer. I don't want to give it away just because you might use the same one.
2: Ah, uh, sweets. Who do you think?
1: Handsworth
2: for sure. Oh my god. <laughs> she goes. Do you hear that?
1: Uh, yeah. And I'm like, that makes sense. I could I could see it. I can see it
2: i don't i don't know that's such a oh uh actually you know it would be great um it's a little back in the day but if he was in his prime tom Selleck.
1: oh
0: yeah (laughs) legend with the stash too yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah. you do a good job i think yeah for sure i man hemsworth would be a good one hey they're they're pretty tall you know solid solid dudes all three of them are i don't know two of them three of them how many brothers are there
2: I think I think there's two, right? Two actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sweets is on top of that. There's two. <laughs> she, she, she would know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh,
0: oh man. All right. I mean, I, Ricky. I don't know about you. If you got another, I got the the last one. We always uh, we always hit them with.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Georgie.
0: So the the last one we like to ask everybody is if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self. So some whether it's younger version of you or a young guy coming up through the ranks, whatever it is. What is something you would tell yourself? Oh, um,
2: that's a great question. I think uh, I think, and I'm, I'm pretty good at doing it, but I think um, I I'd probably tell myself definitely to be to be kind to myself for sure. I've always I've always been one to be very hard and expect a lot um and and, as we talked about before there were moments where i I wasn't nice enough to myself and it and it hurt me badly um to be kind to myself and 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 you know just like i'm doing now i i I would tell myself if you want something do it because you want to do it don't do it because there's other reasons If, if you want something go do it and it's it's from the depths inside your car and um, you know, if you want something, do it, do everything right to get to that point and enjoy the way there.
0: That's some great advice. Yeah. That's some great really- like Um,
1: if, uh, so obviously outside of the ice, if people want to find out more about you, get to know you more, how can they find you?
2: Uh, Instagram. That's all I got. I do. Uh, my, my tag is, uh, G U D D Y 44, Goody 44. Uh, um, okay, we'll,
1: we'll make sure we tag you and
2: everything too. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sweets, I, sweets. I, I'm, I'm kind of slow on it, but sweets is getting me to work on it. I'm trying, I'm trying. Hey, you got
1: you got the time now, right? I, I think I saw some TikToks too. I was actually just gonna say that I saw
0: that TikTok and I, you guys, you and Rick, have something in common. You guys are both on on TikTok now. Which I still don't know what it is or how it works, but those videos are entertaining.
2: They are pretty funny. You can get roped into one of those sessions for a while. They take forever. They're hard.
1: Oh. If I spent a basically a full Saturday maybe the third week of this covid stuff trying to hit a tennis ball over my parents' house running through the like garage space and catching it on the other end I legit spent like 4 hours.
2: Dude, Sarah just showed me that video. That is seriously impressive.
1: It was I literally, if you heard my mom cheering at the end, you could just see how long I was doing it for. I yeah. hear her cheering man, that, at the end.
2: That was a good catch at the end, too. Like, you what head? ran that ball.
0: Very
1: impressive. I had
0: to, <laughs> about this. Our, our group chat, all we hear about is Ricky's TikToks, and we all just roast them all day for them. But hey, whatever makes eight, you got to do what makes you happy, right? Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I got time,
1: man. I got time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Eric, we're gonna. I was talking with Sarah. We're gonna run a contest. We're gonna do a signed jersey giveaway. So we'll uh, we'll work out the details of that uh, over the weekend. We'll we'll launch that. But that'll be uh, some lucky fan will be very very happy yeah, with that. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. And and uh, let me know who uh, who that fan is, and and uh, I'll personalize it for them once it arrives here.
1: Perfect. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, George, unless you got anything else. like I don't, man. Eric, thanks for making the
0: time. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, keep safe. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see you back on the ice soon.
2: Yeah, I yeah. hope so too. Thank you very much for having me, fellas. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: A lot of fun. Thanks again. You like to drink and to smoke to
1: take away the pain. And I don't remember all my mistakes in every eye. I got no one thing. I'm not alright, I'm not alright